millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Emily Tampkin, and you're listening to World Review from the New Statesman, a twice-weekly international news podcast. Every Thursday, we come together to unpack some of the most significant stories in world affairs. And every Monday, we interview a guest for their unique perspective and expertise. Today, I'm speaking to Ravinder Kaur. She is Associate Professor of Modern South Asian Studies at the University of Copenhagen and author of Brand New Nation, Capitalist Dreams and Nationalist Designs in 21st Century India. Ravinder, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. We have had you on this podcast before to talk about the farmers' protests and and about Indian democracy. And we wanted to have you back because this is, 2022 is going to be a significant year in Indian politics. For listeners who are totally unaware, could you give us a sense of why that is? Right now, state assembly elections have started and five regions or states in India are going to elections. And the reason it has received so much attention is because the most populous state in India, which is Uttar Pradesh, and it has more than 250 million people, it is going to election. And that sends about 15% of you know, representatives to the parliament, the lower house. So in other words, it has a great significance in terms of the parliamentary power. So therefore, uh, there is enormous attention. And the second reason is that Uttar Pradesh is also being seen as the testing ground for the forthcoming uh, general elections in 2024. And Uttar Pradesh currently has uh, BJP, the ruling party, Bharatiya Jinta uh, Jinta Parties, one of the chief ministers, Yogi Adityanath, who is seen by many as a kind of successor of Prime Minister Modi. So there are the political stakes are pretty high. So those are the stakes from the bird's eye view. What are people watching in the elections in Uttar Pradesh? What are, what are seen as the most significant issues as people go to the polls? Okay, there are many things. Because first of all, I think we should talk briefly about that the Indian economy right now is not in a particularly robust state. And there has been a lot of talk about unemployment rates, and especially after COVID, the economy, which was already in freefall since demonetization in 2016, it, it has going, been going down. 
So I think the testing ground really is how will people respond to the questions of bread and butter, like literally the material resources. And the reason this is important is because just a few weeks ago, there have been almost like a youth violence or protests in the state of Bihar in the neighboring state, where for a very low grade railway exam, I think for uh, about uh, 35,000 uh, seats, uh, they were like five times the applicants and basically violence broke out. And why? Because because of COVID exams were delayed and they continued to shift the rules. So basically it became a sign of the underlying anger in the youth population where people were literally demanding jobs. So basically the question is, how will people respond to the questions of unemployment? And the second thing is that this is also a test for Modi government's approach, which is which has put the core agenda of Hindu nationalism at the very fore. And Uttar Pradesh is where, as the Ram Temple, the temple movement, which is the home ground, the temple is being constructed. And uh, this has become literally one of the calling cards that by 2023, it will be inaugurated just in time for the national election. So in that sense, I think the issues at stake are in a way the same, which basically is about how's the economic situation? Do people have jobs? What about inequality? I must also mention that in the last couple of years, it has been reported that mass poverty has returned to India. And this is very significant, given that throughout the economic reform, that period, you know, from 80s onwards, India's growth continued to climb and uh, people were said to be lifted out of poverty. But the recent report shows that is not the case, like literally the reverse is taking place. And that is pretty significant that uh, how will people respond to questions of inequality, poverty and the lack of jobs. And at the same time, where the Hindutva, Hindu nationalism is being pushed forth. Do you think it's fair to say, or is this an oversimplification, that that the Modi government and state governments that are sympathetic to, to Modi and the BJP or in line with their thinking, that they've made a bet that people will care more about Hindu nationalism than they will the state of the economy. One thing is very clear that uh, the core issue literally is the Hindu nationalism. Because it has been a kind of balancing act all along where you couple capitalist reforms, free free market and the promise of growth together with, you know, that a Hindu nation state is being established. But but we as we all know that economic promise has not worked. But that Modi government was voted in the second time in 2019. So this paradox can only be explained if we get out of this uh, notion that it's the economy stupid, which is a gift from the 1990s Clintonian era, that as long as people are happy with the economic situation, it does not matter. But what we have seen is that economy is not in good shape, but the government continues to be voted in again. And this paradox can only be explained through the cultural politics, which is shifting ground. Mm -hmm. And therefore, whether a bet has been made, but one thing is very sure, that the core project of Hindu nationalism continues to make headway. So Uttar Pradesh is one of the states that's going to the polls this year, but it's not the only one. You mentioned there were five. Punjab, Gujarat, they're going to the polls. What are, do you see the issues being the same across the country or are there 
specific standout issues in some of the states that are going to vote? No, not. uh, I wouldn't say the same issues, of course, because these are very different states. A very small state like Goa, which sends only two members or something. And Punjab, I must mention, because this is where this was the wellspring of Mm -hmm. uh, protest, the farmers protest. And there, of course, the, the reigning Congress government is expected, according to polls, to stay its ground. Mm-hmm. Of course, and it is actually pretty uncertain. One thing is very sure that the farmers' protests have really changed the battleground, political battleground, quite a lot. There are groups of farmers who are going around campaigning also in other states to say they simply have this thing, do not vote for BJP. And they, they did the same in the West Bengal elections as well. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I would say that there is a spillover which has happened from across the states where the agricultural sector or the farmers cause that has uh, come to center as well. So that's Punjab. Gujarat has, is where Modi is from. It's seen as it's, it's literally like the origin of his version of the party. Do you think that the farmers protest spillover effect, the poor economy, will it have any impact there? I think that's a very good question because uh, we do hear reports that we we have been hearing from Gujarat, they are mixed in the sense that, again, the issues of unemployment or the falling growth, etc., that affects Gujarat also. But as I said, the important thing is that how far the cultural politics will hold. And I think what I want to emphasize is that often Indian politics is seen through the prism of electoral politics. Uh-huh. Like from election to election, this is how the analysis goes. Who wins, who loses. But I think perhaps we need to change our vision also because what we do not get the full picture of what is happening. What I mean to say is that the fundamental political ground continues to shift in the favor of majoritarianism. Mm-hmm. And that is important to note because you see uh, like, you know, how religion in a way or religious cultural nationalism has become center stage in so many ways. That is actually the fundamental debate, you know, which is going on. And you may have noticed that many political parties choose to be silent on these issues. Mm-hmm. Because there is, for example, a whole issue going on about school girls, whether they are allowed to wear hijab staff in the, in, in the school uh, or not. And pay attention that many political parties have chosen to keep silent. Why? Because they know that this is just in, this will inflame the situation uh, right. in the battleground states. So in that sense, I would say that uh, electoral politics only tell us something, but not everything that how Indian politics is rapidly shifting. What do you think is the has really brought about that shift? Is it Modi and the BJP stoking these flames? Is it demographic changes? Like why? This is um, this is a or was a secular pluralistic democracy. And it seems now that when we speak about it, it's about the rise of Hindu nationalism, about majoritarian politics. What, what sort of, what do you see as being the main, the driver of, of this shift, which is so significant that even if the BJP loses in a certain state, majority, majoritarian politics will not have necessarily lost. No, I think, and that, that you, I think you're making a very important point because there are several things which have come together. And of course, none of this, these are, this is not predetermined and this is still unfolding and it can also change. But what has happened is, 
that the whole question of economic reforms, which was like aligned with the Congress politic of secularism, mm-hmm. that has come undone. And that has already taken place in the last 20 years or so. And it was happening slowly, but then it but then it took off in 2014 on the back of the anti-corruption movement, which started uh, a few years earlier. And the whole point of that movement was that India is not growing fast enough or that it is not climbing fast enough to become just like China. And that was the anxiety on which Modi government basically came to power. But at that time, it had also toned down somewhat the rhetoric of Hindu nationalism. And at that time, the slogan was literally all about development and growth and Gujarat became as the model state, which must be implemented. But once that happened, with a great majority, Modi government came to power. And, you know, that promise or the hopeful note, first term was not that important. It is literally in the second term, which is 2019 where it was on one hand, please give us more time. We need more time. The the standard answer has been, but Congress has been in power for 65 years, but now we need a bit more time to implement all those dreams. So second term comes, and this is where you see the core Hindu nationalist issues have been implemented. From Kashmir, Article 370, which is removed, or for that matter, the temple issue where the temple construction finally begins, or the Citizen Amendment Act, uh, right. which restricts citizenship in a certain way, etc. So there are a host of issues which have been implemented, all with the eye that we are going to change the fundamental landscape here. And this is what is taking place. Yeah, so the party got more time, but the time was not used on these economic reforms. It was used on, first and foremost, on this Hindu nationalist project. Yes. And I must also say that, you see, I want you to think about a counter, like a counterfactual situation Uh where imagine that Indian growth, uh, Indian economy had not faltered and that Indian economy had actually stayed on path the way it had just a few years ago. That would have only strengthened the Hindu nationalist project even further. The fact that it has, that it continues to stay should tell you something about how deeply it has entered uh, the mainframe of politics. Wherever you are in the world, if you're interested in global affairs, you can subscribe to The New Statesman in digital, in print or both from as little as one pound a week. That's 12 weeks for just £12. That's one euro a week in Europe and just $2 a week in America. Just go to www.newstatesman.com slash podcast offer. From the New Statesman World Review comes France Elects, a special podcast series exploring the main candidates and the big issues shaping the campaign to be France's next president. I'm Ido Vok. And over the next two months, I'll be joined by special guests to dissect incumbent Emmanuel Macron's record, his rivals to the right and left, and key issues such as foreign policy and the climate. Just search World Review on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. 
And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. So you have written and spoken, and if this is the wrong gloss to put on it, correct me, but but basically about the marriage of capitalism and ethno-nationalism that you see in the current BJP. Do you think that's a marriage that will be tested in the year ahead or one that will be solidified through the current state of politics that we're discussing and through the elections? I think that is a model which seemed to have worked for BJP. Mm -hmm. So why would you abandon a model which has worked? But what can undo that model indeed is what we have already seen a little bit in the farmers' protest. Mm. And those protests were completely unexpected. It came out of blue in the middle of a pandemic and in response to the pushing forward of the capitalist agenda, which is like agricultural sector, labor sector, all put together. So I think that was too much of a push and there was a response and what we must pay attention to it is that none of these protests have been engineered by the established political parties. Mm-hmm. They literally came from the ground. It goes for the farmers' protests. It goes for the labor protests. It also goes for the Anti-Citizenship Amendment Act protests. And not to mention the youth protests I was talking about in Bihar. Mm. So all of this is happening outside the formal political arena. Right. And where is the, the formal political opposition in all this? There is much talk of, of whether West Bengal could have the model and the opposition to the BJP coming from these regional leaders and regional parties. Do you think that is a model that could work? Is the Congress party, has, have they just completely abandoned their, their role as the formal opposition? Or, or, or is it just down to informal opposition and, and to people power? I think that's, again, a very important thing, because I think most analysis that I read, they end up talking about BJP versus Congress Mm. for some strange reason. Whereas there are so many political parties in India, there are so many regional powers, right? But somehow it is expected that Congress must do something. And by now, everyone knows that Congress has weak organization on the ground. Mm. But what is also happening is, as we have already seen in West Bengal, that with a strong regional leader, BJP can be defeated. 
and you can already see in Punjab where there is where Congress actually has a strong organization and they have put forth uh, a candidate Charanjit Singh Channi who also happens to be a, a, a you know politician from grassroots from a very humble background that he has come and swayed over the politics as well of mm. course we do not know the result because there is a lot of anger on the ground and what i hear is that all political parties are on tenter hooks mm-hmm. that no one really knows which way will go i must also mention that other opinion polls that we have seen from goa or money etc there, there is some say that it might lead to a hung house what i'm point, pointing out to is that it is unclear what will happen so this is where as you said you know the bets are on people are hedging their bets no one knows what is going to happen so literally so in that sense it is just filled with suspense that which kind of agenda is going to overpower it is literally is it the economic right part? like people when they literally see that their their stomach is being hurt you know it is question of hunger and loss of jobs and what not all uh, accentuated during the you know pandemic or will they stick to the promise of hindu nationalism and what's at stake for indian democracy you you said earlier on that it's not just about elections and i don't want to give our listeners the impression that if they if the bjp loses in uttar pradesh that everything we've been talking about will be reversed but what what do you see as being the stakes both for this year and for and heading into 2024 i think this is such an important thing to think about the you know paradox of uh, democracy that india has become the world's largest democracy which is its key selling point in global politics literally and something which has really profited india quite a bit because the whole world is looking for an alternative to china the you know the china factor is so huge in this and india is the only country in the world which is like china in the sense in terms of population size and territory etc it is different from china because it is the world's largest democracy interesting thing is that within that framework of democracy a lot has changed and that is where i'm saying that the formal how how the formal framework is that does not just tell us what is happening on the ground yeah. and what I, what i mean by that is that for example the prime minister of the world's largest democracy has never held a press conference right not a single press conference and i think most people when you remind them of that they get a sense of shock you know like he has given interviews but those are like formal kind of interviews but a press conference where you you know where you have heckling journalists and where people are asking all sorts of things that simply doesn't happen which basically means that everything in a way is very scripted it's a scripted democracy in a way right mm-hmm. that, that there are no moments which are allowed to happen that does not mean they may not happen they do happen but there is this attempt to control everything which i think in terms of this infrastructures of publicity the ways in which they are controlled so i think that is this is where i say that that the whole imagination of india as this place of production and exchange as a capitalist economy also means that people sometimes offer this argument oh but we need to curb freedom of speech a little bit because we need india to grow this is inherently against the very principle of democracy because right. democracy means dissent Do you think that Modi and the BJP will be thrown off script this year? I would not say yes or no to that because as I said that we are a, between a normal kind of politics where we are told that the economic situation should be a clear indicator because if that is the thing of course the government should fall. Mm. 
but it's, it's not falling. And therefore, we need to pay attention to that. What is it which continues to endure? And that is that project, which I don't think it is as easy, even if whether it's that it can be thrown off so easily. And the shift towards majoritarianism is not that easy to undo. Right. It may take some time, even if unsettle the government. I think that's a really important point that it both that it can be undone, that this is not that nothing that we've described is written in stone and changed forever, but that it if it is to be undone, it will do more. It will take more than not electing the BJP in Uttar Pradesh. Mm. Yes, and I think this is so because. We have lived through, you know, ups and downs. We have lived through the age of globalization and right in front of our eyes, we are also told it's no more. So nothing should surprise us. Things happen and they are undone again and again. But what we have seen in India is, I would more call it a kind of activation. There are some underlying tendencies which are always present, but the present government has activated them. Mm-hmm. So some of those key tropes where you rope in, in the internal enemy or Pakistan or as you sometimes already since 1990s, the Muslim majority uh, localities, neighborhoods in many parts of India would simply be called Pakistans, mini Pakistan. Mm-hmm. So those have existed, but they were somehow kept under wraps, never allowed to take over. So this is the difference here, that those tropes have been activated so we speak on the in those you know the court language has come to it has overtaken we will certainly be, be keeping an eye on all of them in 2022 ravinder kaur thank you so much for joining me today thank you so much this has been the world review for the new statesman you can read all our international coverage on newstatesman.com if you've enjoyed this episode please tell a friend or even an enemy and rate us and leave us a nice review Our producer has been Adrian Bradley. The team will be back on Thursday. And I am Emily Tampkin. Thanks for listening. And until next time. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Trust in politics is broken. So can we get UK politics working again? That was the last time we were happy. 2012. I'm Beth Rigby, Sky's political editor. Join me every week with Labour's Jess Phillips and Conservative peer Ruth Davidson for some electoral dysfunction. This idea of nuance has completely left politics. Together we'll focus on the policies that could deliver political satisfaction. Follow electoral dysfunction wherever you get your podcasts.